Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Run It Back Podcast, episode 79. Boys had a, a little uh, Easter break. Easter Bunny visited all the boys and filled them up full of chocolate, which was uh, exciting. We had a good couple of weeks of UFC. Easter was actually good. Me and Stoney got together and watched uh, Easter Sunday. Would it be our church, Stoney? Version of our church there? It would be the, the chapel. Yep, the chapel. Oh, we should call it the chapel. Yeah, we should. <laughs> 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 so we got so to you coming to the chapel. <laughs> Come on, we'll just call. It, we'll just keep calling it the theatre. Uh, we had a we had a ripper day on that Sunday. Uh, we'll talk about that. UFC 287 was a fun little Sunday for Easter. Good way to spend Easter. Uh, boys, we've got a big show. We've got a, a guest on today, Justin Van Heerden, JVH, we like to call him, friend of the podcast, going to join us all through the show today, which is exciting. Um, we'll introduce him properly in a second, but as always, let me introduce the man across from me, Stoney. What's going on? Mate, it's been a big fortnight. Went a bit viral. <laughs> Copped a lot of flack. <laughs> Did go viral. A lot of heat. But boy, still had a better week than the fucking Dalai Lama. How often can you say that? <laughs> <laughs> I thought the Dalai Lama might have got to run you tool of the week. Oh, <laughs> honourable mention. <laughs> There's a chance. Uh, Statman, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I, I had a pretty eventful week. Obviously, UFC 287, absolutely fantastic. Peel back the curtain on um, personal life a little bit. I just I recently got a – I had to get a forklift licence for work. I was yeah. shitting myself all, all <laughs> week leading up to it because I've never driven a forklift before. And then uh, – so I did that Monday, Tuesday this week. On Sunday – I decided I'd, I'd surprise my partner. We'd be both getting into the NHL a lot lately, so I decided to take her ice skating. Oh, uh, I used to ice skate all the time. I was not not I could stand up on the ice. I wasn't any good at it, but I could do it. <laughs> but it's been about eight years since I've been ice skating. So I got on the ice. Uh, I was like, all right, cool, this is fine. Took off, probably about seven seconds on ice, and I fell and I <laughs> fucked my knee completely. Oh, fucked my no. knee. Um, so. Uh, I also spent 40 bucks to get into the ice skating arena, so I wasn't going to call for a first aid, so I just kept skating, <laughs> got home. <laughs> My knee was swollen twice its size, but, guys, I can get a forklift license on one knee. So um, forklift certified stat man uh, with a bung knee, and my knee is really starting to kill, so that's fine. <laughs> no. Now's the ideal time for me to swoop in for this grappling match with the stat man deal. <laughs> <laughs> just, going, just, just drill exclusively like knee bars and ACL. <laughs> Stony wanted to do our... Special guest for today. Mate, it needs no introduction. I think we – do we coin the nickname, Jay? Oh, I'm sure it's no, just it's his initials. No, <laughs> yeah. it's his initials. <laughs> but, but I kind of feel like I was just trying it. to make it sound like <laughs> we had some sort of crazy connection. <laughs> we call him JBH, as does must, much of the world. <laughs> Boys, I kind of – I picture like, you know, the Rob Van Dam when I say JBH yeah. in a chat. Mate, Justin Van Heerden, uh, reigning and soon-to-be defending champion Eternal. How are you, mate? Good man, good. Yep, you hit the nail on the head. The <laughs> champ defending the belt, you know, you know, you know the story, boys. I'm based out of freestyle. The, it's the home of the greatest 145er and Alex Volkanovski. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like that a lot. It's good. Well, let's hope this title defense goes better than when you defended the the coastal combat one. Uh, didn't, <laughs> yeah, no. didn't quite go your way last time, did it? That's that's still you know right in here is where the pain is, like it's in the center of my chest. <laughs> What we might do, boys, is get the podcast off and running. I think the the way we need to do is this: we need to clear the air with a few other things. One of them is our housekeeping. We like to clean up a few things around the house. 
Stoney mentioned it a little bit at the start there. Stoney did go viral with a, a rant during the week, TikTok and on Instagram, which was fun. 1,153 likes on TikTok and 1,000 likes on IG. Ooh, 78 comments. Uh, that doesn't include all the little sub comments as well and uh, a little bit back and forth on IG as well, which was which was fun. How did the Statman go? Uh, Statman didn't. <laughs> Statman's reply. <laughs> I only got 19 likes on <laughs> things, man. You don't have to like the truth. It's fine. That's it's all right. Good. No, not everyone likes everything. They, they consume it. They don't like it all the time, Statman. So don't. How many views? Don't, I don't think they consume it. We don't have to go into details of the views. It's fine. Let's move on. But <laughs> anyway, the comments were great. Mostly Colin Stoney. And I've never heard this before in my life. Mostly Colin Stoney, a meat writer, which I'm assuming. <laughs> 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 a Colby meat writer. Did they you all call me that? Is? No, no there was a lot. There was like about five or six of them calling you a Colby meat writer. Well, for, you know how, many, how many views did we get? 14,000 <laughs> and five or six called me a meat writer that fucking blow me down. <laughs> Two were worried about your <laughs> your drug habits, uh, which you don't have any. <laughs> You don't have any, <laughs> but it was like two people, a couple of people said, what kind of coke are you on? Yeah, well, I might take some up after the, the <laughs> lashings that I got from these fucking basement dwelling window licking meatheads deal. So, boys, I've, I've pulled a few of the comments that I've liked. Let, let me just touch base on a couple of things. Bro saying Bella only beat one in the top 10, showing your lack of knowledge. Stoney, there was a lot of comments about your lack of knowledge. Yeah. Was it incorrect? Look, uh, a wise man once said, DL, if you're not willing to go too far, you will never go far enough. Okay. Statman knows exactly who that wise man was. And if I've got a saying, if you're not willing to bend the truth, are you even trying? I'll leave it, leave it there. <laughs> Okay, yeah, cool. there were there were there were, out, there were a few s- statements that Sony made that I felt were bordering on outright lies. Like if Dominion was suing him, he'd be paying out seven hundred eighty-seven million dollars to him. So I respected it as part of the debate. I knew that like you could be like, oh, two people have beaten, even if you have beaten like five people. Like you can you can you can bend the truth in a debate, and that's what the debate's for. A lot of people also ran to Wonder Boy Thompson's. Uh, yeah, yeah. So this one it was pretty brutal though. <laughs> this yeah. one, this one got me down because obviously these people don't have a sense of humour. Yeah, no. Because if you've watched any Ricky Gervais <laughs> comedy special ever, he says that anything can be funny, even if you find personal offence to it. Yeah. it's all about the context, and in the context of how that was delivered, that was a fucking killer line. Yeah, that was. A, that was a I great love line. Wonder Boy. I'm one of Wonder Boy's biggest fans, but it had to be said, boys. Yeah, I did also notice the comment here from yourself. Uh, this bloke is like Babe Ruth in his prime, one home run after another. Who comments on their own post? Was that really for me? <laughs> oh, I think DL's hacked my account there, boys. Oh, but he's God. hit the nail on the head. Anyway, boys, that uh, was pretty good. And um, I don't know how to call a winner in the first debate. So I, do. I don't think there needs to be. 94, 94% of likes allocated to Stoney. <laughs> Fact check I'm, this one because I know you lefties love a fact check. One hundred percent of the UFC fighters that slid into our DMs were in support of Stony. I rest my case, boys. <laughs> was I, one, I would, I would say, was one and this is this, this is the hardest thing for me to say. Belt. He's got his tiny little baby belt back. <laughs> Twelve picograms of gold. <laughs> I would say that just just given the fact that the UFC seems to be moving ahead with the Colby Covington title fight. 
it, it probably means that Stoney won. It probably means that regardless <laughs> of who wins a debate, it's it, how the real world shapes up. So if Leon Edwards fights someone other than Colby Covington for his first title defense, I'll take that as a win. But it's looking more like more and more likely each day that that Stoney's going to get the win in the real world, which is unfortunate. <laughs> and, and online with ninety four percent of the likes. There. <laughs> It was funny. I mentioned last week JVH gave me some. I said, what do you think, Cole? We deserve the shot or not? Not telling him what side you'd allocate him to. And he said, fuck no. (laughs) (laughs) So then I told him what side I was on and he helped me form some of the arguments. So big shout out to my boy JVH. Uh, was I was uh, formulating arguments while listening to the podcast. I was, when you when you're talking, because it was so hard for me to form a rebuttal while you were talking, I was like making a point, and then I realised at one point you equated Colby Covington sitting out for a year on a one fight win streak to Leon Edwards sitting out for a year with a with a nine fight win streak, and I didn't mention it at all. I was like, they're not they're not the same thing. They're not apples and oranges. They're like they're. They are apples and oranges. You can't compare the two. Mate, you're formally, like debate formulating two. these rebuttals as good as your actual arguments. Terrible. <laughs> 94% <laughs> boys. All right, DL, next segment. Uh, boys, we'll jump into likes and dislikes from the last couple of weeks. Uh, boys, I think we'll kick it off with uh, USC 287. Likes or dislikes? Statman. Oh, there was a lot, a lot to like. We saw a couple of hype trains derail a little bit. Adrian Yanez and Raul Rojas Jr. Obviously, meeting meeting the end of their hype trains, I guess. Which was, I, I love to ride a hype train. I love seeing the the unstoppable force, but also I, I do like to see someone like it's 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 easy to forget. But like George St Pierre, when he came into the UFC, absolutely steamrolled everyone. His first big test was Matt Hughes, and he lost. So like. Seeing a fighter, how a fighter comes back from it. I forget who it was. Uh, Stoney, you might remember the person who reached out to Raul Rojas Jr. and said, but maybe it was um, Sugar Sean, said, take two years off. You're 18, take two years off, come back when you're 20 because that two years of development will be amazing. And at 20, you're still so young. But seeing him, it really did uh, identify just how young he was in MMA. I I know we're going to talk about that main event because that, that, uh, ending sequence was about as loud as I've been screaming at my U- at a UFC event probably since we went live at UFC 243 um, and saw um, Brad Riddell fight Jamie Malarkey on the prelims because that was about as loud as I was that night as well. But um, that Israel Adesanya finish in that fight was about as, as good a like as you can get from that card. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit more. Justin, any likes or dislikes from UFC 287 for you? I dislike the fact that Raul Rojas Jr. was on the main cards. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. you know, that I feel like it's such a weird spot to be in when you're such a young kid and you're fighting a fucking grown man. Yeah. Like, you know, and you're on the main card and there's all that unnecessary extra pressure so early for you. So I didn't like that. And obviously that, you know, the performance showed a few things. Like there seems to be not just a – an issue in the the size and the strength side of things when it comes to, you know, you're 18, you know, you haven't fully developed yet. You haven't fully grown into your body or into your strength or anything like that yet. But also it seems like he's surrounded by a bunch of people that are just, you know, saying, you know, feeding into what he was saying himself and being like, Oh, you know, you're already killing it. You're the, you're the best. You can beat everyone. And that's just not realistic. So that was the sort of big dislike for me. A big like for me was, just some of the fights on the card were just so entertaining. Like seeing Gaslam kind of find his feet again, mm, that was nice. That, that was, was cool. cool. Um, the biggest dislike from the event was 
is he not trolling fucking Pereira's kids some more? I mean, I really <laughs> wanted to see him just do more of that. That was, you know, uh, you, you got to. It's fair game. I, I can kind of relate to what is he's when he when he's doing stuff like that, and he's like, and he, you, you know, he's been coined a bunch of times saying like he doesn't forget things, and you know, he remembers things, and he goes hard in the paint. I'm a bit like that, you know. I'm, I don't care in the lead up. Like I'm gonna, I'm just gonna hold that all against you later on, and I'm gonna troll you with it. So it's just, yeah, I, I can appreciate that. I think we even saw that in was it the last fight. Your last fight, there was we a little did. bit of antics straight after the bell, which uh, which got the boys very very up and about. That was mm, that was that good was fun. Good. That was good. But no, it's spot on. Gastelum was a big one for me. Yeah, DL loved it. Loved good. seeing him uh, bounce back because I think we a few of us had sort of ridden him off a little bit. Um, yeah, that that main event. Uh, I know that it's the obvious one to go to, boys. But DL will verify this. We've watched a lot of cars together. That was. 100% the most excited I've been for for someone who I've traditionally disliked. Yeah. I've yeah, not been true. in Israel at yeah. a Sanya fanboy. So that one got me out of the seat quicker than anything, mm. but I would say Connor V. Aldo at 194 down at Fountain Gate. Oh, yeah, that was good. That was a big one. Yeah. Still don't know how I end up on the table, but anyway. <laughs> for me, I, I think to move past your C287 for me is, is seeing Holloway on the weekend. It was big, yeah. Oh, yeah. Max, seeing Max perform like that. And, mate, Alan is no joke. Against a fighter like Arnold Allen as well. An absolute beast. And he just just shows how good. Does that also show how good Alex Volkanovski is too? Yeah. Because I don't think think that the Max Holloway that fought uh, Arnold Allen uh, or Calvin Catter or anything like that is a different uh, Max Holloway that fought Alex Volkanovski. I think it's very much the same. Mm. You have to imagine as well Max Holloway going into a title fight against Alex will be training double as hard and going into it like at absolute peak. Max Holloway is in a really, really unfortunate position where he is destined to be the second greatest featherweight, regardless like regardless of how good he gets. At at a certain point there's like levels to it. And we saw it in the third Volk Holloway fight, but I don't know what motivates Holloway at this point? Is it a fourth fight with Alex Volkanovski? It would have to be that. But knowing that you, you're, you've been in the cage with him, you know what he did to you in the third fight, but you're still so much better than everyone underneath you. I don't know how, I, I don't know how that, that continues to work. We know when he moved up to lightweight, Dustin Poirier, obviously the size difference was pretty substantial. The size difference came into play with that and Dustin Poirier kind of batted him around. It's 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 a challenging thing because Max Holloway is obviously uh, the second best featherweight in the world and by a huge degree as well. To do that to Arnold Allen, who is an absolutely fantastic fighter, I would say potential future champion if he wasn't in the featherweight division, is 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 just insane. And there is a, a laundry list of absolute thugs coming up in the featherweight division. Featherweight is one of my all-time favorites because the depth of it. There are fighters in the 16 to 25 range who are absolute world-class athletes. And that's that's not something you can say about any other division bar maybe bantamweight, maybe lightweight. Mm-hmm. Um, but Max Holloway is the clear-cut, just absolute gun of a fighter. And you have to think that if he knocks off a couple more people like he does on Allen, we're going to get that fourth Max fight, uh, the, that fourth Volk fight. And I, I yeah... I don't know. It, it, it's a weird position to be in. I think the exciting part for us is is how motivated Max is, and I know we're going to talk about it a little bit later. He did he did slip a little bit of news in the 
at the press conference, but he talked about Korean Zombie. Mm. And I think the way he's motivating himself at the moment is like, who haven't? What what part these OGs, these legends, who haven't I beaten? Yeah. And I think the Volker, he, he put it pretty pretty succinctly and said, basically, and JVH, correct me, basically like fuck off out of the division and, and stop beating my contenders because uh, anyone who's showing any sort of promise, Max is just taken care of and yeah. it's sort of diffusing a lot of potential matchups because uh, to be fair, Arnie Allen and the Volk, mate, I'd get right around that. We saw yeah, what... Yeah, what yeah. Uh, Arnold did against Dan Hooker, and we got a ton of respect for Dan Hooker mm. and basically just walked through him. Yeah. Deal. That wasn't even a close fight. So I think that just goes to show just, just the levels that the stat man was talking about. So, yeah, yeah in, interesting position. And also from a, a matchmaking perspective, JBH, what are you doing? If you're if you're setting the matches in the UFC, obviously we know we've, we've got Volker and Rodriguez coming up. What are you doing with Max Holloway next? Uh, you give him the zombie fight because obviously he wants that. He asked for it. He wants to tick that off. He beats zombie. And then you could probably do, you know, a few, there's a few options with him. Me personally, if I had like a perfect world, I'd go the fight with Zombie because he wants to tick that off. It's like a legacy fight for him, just like it was for, for Volk. Um, and it's, you know, it's Max is probably more than likely going to piece him up, but it has that danger to it because Zombie is the type of person that will fire back. You know, so when Max starts getting comfortable in the fight with him and starts tearing off with longer combinations, there is that danger factor there that he can sit down and, uh, you know, Zombie will sit down on some punches and he's got power and, you know, so there is that there. So it makes it a bit exciting, although I do think he'll just walk through him. But for me, I'd like to see him move up. I want to see him move up. He looked a lot bigger on the weekend. Like I messaged Volk when I was watching it live and he looked a lot bigger than Alan, man. Like Alan's obviously a big featherweight, but Max looked a lot bigger. Like he looked like he's packed on some size. Um, you know, he obviously he obviously looks looked the goods yet again. So for me, I'd like to see him fight Zombie, and then unless you know, unless by some miracle, fucking craziness, I don't know, situation where Volk beats Rodriguez, then goes and fights Islam, wins the second belt, and then decides to just vacate featherweight and move up. I don't, I don't see him fighting for a belt again. I just, I just don't. Do we do we honestly think that there's a world where Yaya Rodriguez, who is the interim champ, fighting Volk next, would beat Max Holloway? Like, if we put Max Holloway, the Max Holloway that was on the weekend against Yaya Rodriguez, who I have a, a huge amount of respect for, but I just don't... I think, like, it's like a 95%... 95% of the time that they fight, Max Holloway wins, barring a freak uh, spinning back elbow at the last second of the fifth round like he did against Korean Zombie. Like... It's it's so weird to have a division where, and it's almost to the position where Robert Whitaker is in the middleweight division, where he is the clear cut number two guy in that division with pretty bad losses or a, a, a pretty bad loss to the champion. Um, the second fight was obviously a lot closer, but still I feel like an Israel win. So Max Holloway and, and Robert Whitaker kind of share a similar. Uh, podium there where what do you do what do you how do you you just have to hope that the champion loses and it doesn't seem likely again in the near future it's very similar to to the middleweight just quickly to close out Mm. on that if if leon edwards hadn't beat kamara usman we're in the same predicament there where he's he's cleared out you know with the exception of Bilal, uh they're pretty much everyone like Mm. in in that top contending uh slot so yeah interesting times for ufc matchmakers boys I'll just shout out uh, Edson Barboza getting a KO again. It was good Honestly, to see that. The co-main event was just just beautiful. Um, I still remember UFC 142, Aldo Mendes too, with the, the spinning heel kick to Terry Adam. Uh, it's my favourite knockout of all time. And 
um, Edson Barboza getting a knockout in 2023 is something that makes me very, very happy. And UFC 142, just to confirm, we were not at that one step, man. But <laughs> no, you no. may not have heard that. <laughs> six, six events later, though. <laughs> we'll, we'll touch base on that later. That's a whole section that we've got coming up. Oh, great. Another like, and I think this is a like, uh, the Endeavor purchase of uh, WWE. So now I own 51% of uh, the WWE, making yep. Endeavor, obviously, UFC and WWE. Now, boys, everyone's talked about this on socials and podcasts, stuff like that, so... We're not interested, right? But what I'm interested in is just give me two or three fighters that could cross over, and I know it's not going to happen, so don't fucking blow me up. So <laughs> UFC stars that could go into WWE now and WWE stars that could go into UFC now. And I know the fighting level is different, but, yep. you know, let's talk about entertainment, boys. All right, Stepman, you go first. I'll uh, Just a couple, boys, up. just a couple. Well, one, one on each side. You chucked the word current in there, which is unfortunate, but I reckon current, uh, T, TJ Dillashaw, who just retired, Ooh. I reckon would have made a really, really good addition to the cruiserweight division back uh, back before his back before his shoulder decided to to go fall out when a stiff breeze hit him. Um, <laughs> as far as WWE wrestlers coming into the UFC, I'd love to see Braun Strowman uh, make his way make his way over into the heavyweight division. Anyone who can tip over an ambulance uh, <laughs> or who can choke slam Brock Lesnar it gets my vote. He's six foot seven, um, and he is just a massive dude. So I'd really, really like to see Braun Strowman make his way in. It'd probably get manhandled by Stepe, but. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> I like I'm it. down for that. I like it. Justin. Look, in terms of a UFC fighter going over to WWE, uh, I reckon we get Pereira in there, man. He Ooh. could replace Undertaker. He could just be that, you know, that, that eerie force that everyone fears because he kind of is already, but yeah. it, it'd be even better in, in a sort of WWE sort of format. Yeah, I like. And then in terms of someone from the WWE coming over t- to the UFC, I think Roman Reigns, that'd be cool. Get him in there. Get him yeah. in there fighting some some heavyweights or some light heavyweights. Probably going to get knocked the fuck out, but <laughs> it'd be cool to see. It's <laughs> all fun. Stoney. Mate, I reckon a bit of an obscure one here, but I reckon he would fit seamlessly into a faction. Uh, I think who's the tag team champs? Is that the Usos or they were? The, the they long- were. I think they lost it to Kevin Owens and I th- I think- Sami Zayn. Kevin Lee would fit seamlessly into that little pact. Kevin Lee. Yeah, Kevin Lee would fit seamlessly into the, what is it, the family, like the the, the islanders, what what are they termed? The The tribal chief. The bloodline. The bloodline. Bloodline. Kevin Lee and the bloodline. Seamless seamless fit into that. Uh, In terms of coming back, look, there's no obvious match. I'd just love to see Cody Rhodes uh, (laughs) cross over. It would be very CM Punk-like, but, uh, yeah, why not get him over and uh, sell some pay-per-views while you're at it. Deal. Yeah, like I got none. I got no idea who any of those people are. So um, that's, uh, we'll, just, <laughs> we'll just move on. Just, just, just say Colby and Gunther. You'll be fine. You'll be Imagine fine. a Cody Rhodes and Colby Covington press conference though. It'd be cool. Oh, it'd be so good. Yeah. It'd be so good. Be sports entertained. Ah, uh, Stamman, you put in a a like in here, or was it a dislike? It's it was just a, mostly. It was just a topic of conversation. Um, <laughs> just, just Do we like uh, it or dislike it though. I disliked it, honestly. Uh, it was it was John John Jones talking about uh, how how about we have how good would it be for my final fight to be against the heavyweight goat Steve Amirchik in my home home state Madison Square Garden? How fitting would that be? 
Um, to be honest, I disliked it. I like, bar the fact that obviously I have issues with the man. I, I have issues with a lot of things about him. I don't want him to stop fighting. And also, if you're going to take two and a bit years off to move up to heavyweight and win the title, don't fucking defend it once and then vacate it. That pisses me off as well for a completely different reason. Um, I don't think... I think he wants to cement his legacy. He He's talking about it. Dana White's talking about it. Heavyweight goat or heavyweight best of all time, uh, Steve Miocic obviously defended his title the most out of uh, any heavyweight... UFC champion, which is an amazing thing to have in a division where the titles used to change hands every second fight. But let's not kid ourselves. Stipe Miocic hasn't fought in three years. Last fought when he lost to Francis Ngannou. I don't think. I don't think that that beating. Friend, uh, I, I don't. I. I want to see more from Jones in heavyweight. It's been teased for so many years that if we get two fights out of it. And one of them is against old man Stipe Miocic. I'll feel cheated. So I'd I'd need him to stick around. I need him to fight at least one young gun uh, or at least one contender. And then, and then he can, then he can, then he can retire. He's still young by heavyweight time. I'd be really, really sad to see him go because I do get hyped for a John Jones fight and seeing what he did to Cyril Gunn makes me very, very excited to see what John Jones can do at heavyweight. And if he retires now, I'll be, I'll be, even angrier at the man uh, than I normally am about that Dominic Reyes fight. <laughs> but what do you do, Dale? I mean, in the absence of bringing DC back for for a big fight, like he he beat Stipe, yeah, and then you know he, he's not going to fight Sergio or any of those top contenders because what what does it actually do for his legacy outside like the the absolute upper echelon of fans who who know the significance of that win? No one's going to credit it as, as a big win on his, his resume, so he's carrying all this risk. It's a real tough spot for, for Johnny Boy to be in, especially uh, I think the Nagano one was, was the big missed opportunity. And, and I hate it when Dana says, you know, like the Connor and Nate, you know, that fight will always be there. It always is until it's not. And we're seeing that with John Jones Nagano. It was one of those ones that it's always going to be there. Well, now it's not. And, and apparently Francis is never coming back. So all of a sudden we're, we're not seeing that fight. So yeah. it's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm like you, Stat, man. It'd be disappointing if all we got was two fights and one was against a bit of a, you, you have to assume a washed Stipe, as you said. It's been a long time. And the last time we saw him wasn't his best outing, but I don't know what else you do with John Jones. Who's young and up and coming in that division, though? Uh, Pavlovich, yeah, Aspinall, Aspinall, oh, Tom yeah, Aspinall. Yeah, 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 Didn't he yeah. just drop down to light heavy? I mean, if he did, that's a really good move for him because he you know, he's tall. yeah, but um, but yeah, it, it, it's Sergey Pavlovich who's fighting. Uh, <laughs> it's funny, I was going to call this out later, DL. Uh, you've got in the rundown notes that there's there's no UFC card, so we're not talking about an upcoming UFC card. Oh, there kind of is. <laughs> Curtis Blades is fighting this weekend. <laughs> I have to wonder why we're not talking about it, but Curtis Blades versus Sergey Pavlovich. Either of those fighters against John Jones presents really, really interesting, a, a really, really interesting conversation. So what I'm hoping is whoever wins on the weekend does so in a entertaining fashion, so that. The talk starts and John feels compelled to complete it. Stoney, you mentioned it's like why, like he's in a, a bit of a predicament because if he fights these fighters, who who's going to care about it? Is he a fighter or is he not? Like, is he? Is I, I know that his his mindset's probably switched more to his legacy more than it is about like kind of cementing himself as the greatest of all time, hoping that his body of work that he's done beforehand has paved the way towards it which it probably has, let's be real. So is he taking an unnecessary risk? But is he a fighter? 
Is he a fighter still or is he there just to cement, put the last kind of chisel stones into his legacy and he can retire and walk away? Or does he genuinely want to prove he is the best? And if he does retire without fighting one of those up and coming one of those up and coming contenders, I feel like it would be a really missed opportunity for him. Yeah, well, you've asked one of the three people on the podcast who who is not a fighter, so I'm going to redirect this one to, to Jamie. <laughs> hey, Jamie, but what do you do? Like at this point in your career, you, you've got the legacy. I think it's it's remiss to overlook how significant the legacy is at this point yeah. in his career. Uh, absolutely. You'd like to say, yep, he, he is a fighter 100% because he is. Like there, there's no doubt about that. You, you don't get to where he is without having that that killer mindset. But I honestly think that, you know, is the juice worth a squeeze for a, a, a Sergi fight? And I I don't see John taking one of those fights, which is a, a shame because I'd love to see it too, but I just don't see that happening. JVH. Yeah, it's a weird situation to be in because, you know, John going up to heavyweight, you know, he didn't get the fight with Francis, fought Cyril, you know, completely just ran through him, but won a second world title up at heavyweight, even with, you know, it took us so long for it to be here. And, and, and you know, we're expecting this sort of big run at heavyweight that he sort of spoke about and said that that's what his plan was initially. But, you know, I think in his mind, the second he won that, 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 that world title at heavyweight, it cemented it for him and a lot of people obviously come out and said, you know, this cements his, his legacy as being the greatest mixed martial artist of all time. So, you know, it's kind of like much like Connor strayed from the caliber of fighter that he was once he earned all the money and, you know, had the Mayweather fight and stuff like that, you know, the motivation kind of changed and, you know, the performances dropped a little bit. It's probably, I don't see John's performances in the cage ever dropping because he's such a freak, but I think mm. the motivation's, motivations yeah sort of dwindling now you know you, you've gotten that second world title you know you're you know the goat arguably i don't know people are just going to have like different sort of lists of who they think it is but you know in a lot of people's mind he's the goat in his own mind he's the goat so you kind of you from his point of view it, it it's not going to be that shocking if he just fights deeper and then goes i'm out i'm the best i'm out i'm done hypothetical boys israel goes up Beats Jamal Hill. Dan Hooker's come out and said he'd 100% go up to heavyweight and fight John Jones. <laughs> Dan Hooker. What do we reckon? Uh, honestly, uh, is he Jamal Hill? Is he Jamal Hill is a is a very winnable fight for Israel Adesanya. I th- to be to be honest, I thought the Jan Blahovic fight was a very winnable fight for Israel Adesanya. Got proved pretty uh, pretty decisively wrong. I think Israel versus John Jones at light heavyweight would have been a terrible night for Israel Adesanya. I think Israel Adesanya versus John Jones at heavyweight is is it would it would be negligent of a commission to sign that fight. Uh, honestly, John Jones John Jones looked uh, like I I thought in the in the build up to the fight he looked like he might have done the bulk incorrectly. He looked he'd taken a long time to do it and he looked thick with two C's in the promotional photos. Seeing him in the cage, he looked like a fucking monster. Yeah. He looked like an animal. Mm. Um, John Jones at heavyweight is a legitimately scary prospect, which is another reason I don't want him to retire. I want to watch that thing just destroy people. Israel Adesanya doesn't have the build for it. That would just be a terrible mismatch and a skill mismatch too. John Jones's grappling and ground game is just light years ahead of anything that Israel could put together in a training camp, I think. Uh, and and that's not a knock on Israel's skills. I think he's a he's a world class athlete, a brilliant champion, probably going to be middleweight champion for a long time. But Israel at heavyweight against John Jones is just the worst idea I could ever think of. 
<laughs> I guarantee that would get John a third fight in uh, in heavyweight if that, that oh, eventuated. Now, I don't shoot the messenger stat, man. This is Dan Hooker, not Stoney you're debating with this week. No, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Other people, anyone else have thoughts on that fight? <laughs> I'd rather watch CM Punk fight Kamaru Usman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Another one I'd like to see, Dio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys, let's move on. Brings us to uh, our chat with JVH. We got him on here for a reason, not only because we love talking to him, love spending a bit of time with our man. He's got a fight announcement coming up. So, mate, before we jump into that, we were me and Stoney were getting ready to get on a plane last time we we're gonna we we're gonna talk. We were talking about hey, send us your code, me and Stoney getting VIP seats, we're gonna be pumped, we're gonna watch you defend this belt and we're gonna have a really good time and then all over. How you been since then, mate? Yeah, no, it was a bit of a bit of a stitch up. Obviously, I was looking forward to being on that card, headlining the card the night before the UFC. But yeah, no, it's uh it was obviously a tricky situation with getting injured, breaking my foot and then having to like go through the recovery and all that sort of stuff. And, but, you know, since then things have sort of picked back up tremendously. Like as soon as I was cleared, fully cleared to sort of train again and stuff like that, obviously I was, you know, back in there grinding with the team. Um, but no, things are really good, man. Like my camp started like officially sort of started last week. So we're in camp preparing for this, for this fight. Um, but yeah, everything, every, everything's all happening. June 10th, Perth, June 10th, Perth headlining, Co-main events, Blake Donnelly versus Quinlan Salkill, which would be a good fight as well, very good fight. fight. So, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to go back to Perth in a sense um, because, you know, it'll be nice to go back and get the redemption back in Perth. But, I mean, in terms of my plan for my year, like obviously there's the missing out in that fight in February that's caused a bit of a delay. And then I was, you know, I was pretty keen to fight on the May 6th card. Um, But then for whatever reason, like initially they were like, okay, we're going to, you know, do you and Rod in, in May in the Gold Coast. And then then they were like, oh, no, nah, we don't think he's going to be ready. He hasn't got a clearance from his doctor yet for his broken hand. So then I I initially was like, well, I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait till June. So I even said to Cam, I was like, you know, get me someone else. Like, book another fight. I don't. I don't you want to save the fight with Rod for featherweight? Get me someone at lightweight. I don't care. Just give me a fight. And then, you know, initially – Sort of that looked like potentially an option, but then, yeah, just 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 fell through. But like from a realistic point of view, you know, we got to look at this for what it is. Of course, you're going to want to move the fight to June, have it in Perth. You know, at the end of the day, like you know, Ben Vickers is Rod's head coach. He's one of the promoters for Eternal. Like you're going to try and stack it in as much your guys' favor as you can. Like it's, I get it, you know, because we're going to be in there fighting. If the fight's close, the judges are going to be so influenced by every little thing. That, that happens because he can throw a jab in that fight and the crowd's going to go nuts. Like he's very, you know, it's his hometown and he's very well liked and as, as he should be, you know, cause he's, he's a, he's a, he's a guy that comes out there, fights, fights anyone. And then, you know, doesn't sort of, he's not, not ever, ever in boring fights either. So, you know, people love that shit. So he's got a lot of support, which, you know, is an extra thing to have in your back pocket. So I can understand from a promotional side of things, why that sort of, the decision that they've made and obviously they're trying to push him to go for like a champ champ sort of thing, but it's exciting to me. You know, they did that. I, I sort of, people probably don't know, but like, you know, Alan Philpott got brought into eternal and that was sort of a big deal. Cause the guys had over 50 fights and it was meant to be his sort of coming out party against me, ran to a brick wall, Alavi, same thing, undefeated fighter, you know, seven and oh, it was meant to be the same thing for him. They were meant to be him coming in there fighting me and then fighting for a title. 
ran to a brick wall. He got our class. So, you know, I'm just going to do the same thing again now. If this is the, the, their plans to have a guy be a champ champ for the first time in the promotion's history, that's not, not going to happen. It's a good summary. And DL, June 10, are we any chance for that? <laughs> we just had our wives, boys, just sneak a little Gold Coast uh, holiday in for this weekend, DL. Yeah, it is. So I think we wow. could uh, maybe return serve and, and book a, a sneaky Perth in June. I'm sure that would go down a treat. Um, <laughs> but no, JV, he raises a good point. Like we were over there at that Perth card just recently. Uh, when I say recent, semi-recently. Mm-hmm. A lot, of, a lot of love for the home home crowd yeah, over there, and yep. um, you know, Alden Bates got a lot of lot of support mm. in in that fight. Speaking off air, the stat man said that he, he feels that that last uh, Rod Costa fight was sort of the turning point. I remember it a little bit differently, boys. I think it was a chat that that someone on this podcast had with JVH might have been the the, <laughs> the turning point, but. <laughs> But substantially, he's correct. Like since then, you you have gone on and looked like a different beast. And I think it's fair to say that that, that fight was, without sort of diminishing uh, this from Rod's perspective, you, you got caught, and, and that was shit happens in the fight game. Uh, this is a great opportunity for you to sort of stamp your your redemption, and um, yeah, it, it would be an exciting prospect for you. Because like I'm, I'm sure you've said this before, or for the the ability, it's like if there's someone up and coming with all the the momentum, you know, you've got the opportunity to to steal that thunder. In this case, like going into enemy territory, you've got the opportunity to to really make a massive impact. So, um, you know, even even though you're defending in a lot of ways, you've got a lot to gain with this fight for sure. Yeah, it's. I mean, ultimately, when I look at this, like, you know, it's this fight. From my point of view, it's an, it's a chance to sort of, you know, get the redemption and sort of, I guess, erase that loss of, in, in a way, you know, just like I did with the, the, the fight against Diego. Obviously, you know, I lost to Diego early on in my career, but I was able to have that rematch and then, you know, get the win. So I've kind of – a win over Rod will have – I'll, I'll have avenged, you know, another loss. I've only got three losses at Featherweight and, you know, so this will be another sort of loss sort of – Avenged, and then you know I can sort of tick that one off, and then I've you know, and it's and it's kind of cool because Rod's you know obviously went on a bit of a tear himself, and he's the bantamweight champ. So you know there are those sort of stipulations there, but yeah, like that first fight, obviously you know I I was in a weird weird spot for that fight because Joe and Alex were trapped overseas because of the COVID stuff and filming tough and all that sort of stuff. So you know I didn't have my coaches with me, and you know the proof's in the pudding. Like you look at the the next sort of step after that fight. I went out the back and I sat there and I was like, man, I just didn't turn up. I gave this guy an opening and obviously he capitalized on it and, you know, he did his job. So, but, you know, it's one of those things where you sit there and you go, well, I, I know I, I'm better than that. I didn't turn up. I didn't do the right things. I saw, I, got, I got lazy in there and made a stupid mistake. Um, so then you look at that with moving into the next, like last year, you know, I was able to go from strength to strength and show improvements fight to fight. And that just comes back to, you know, my coaching, the team that I have around me and and then also just my own sort of commitment and, and work ethic and wanting to sort of do that and build on from that. Um, and, you know, realizing my potential, starting to, starting to really sort of fight to fight, realize that, you know, I'm, I am, a very talented mixed martial artist and I'm going to continue to be a talented mixed martial artist that's going to keep improving as long as I stick to what I'm doing and, you know, actually be realistic with myself and go, okay, even in the fights that I've won, like obviously last year I had a great year, but still fight the fight. Like immediately after the fights, I'm sitting there with Joe and Alex going like, okay, what can I do better? What did, what did we need to work on? What weren't we happy with? And I think you need that. And much like you saw Volk improve fight the fight, I feel like people saw that for me last year as well. And it, that's just... 
it just comes back to that. You know, I'm not, I'm not happy with just doing something good and then, okay, well, I can just chill now because everything's working out. Like I've got to get better. I've got to keep improving. I've got to find those areas to improve on. So I feel like, you know, we've both grown as fighters from our first fight and, and I'm expecting, you know, a, a very sort of more well-rounded and, and sort of talented broadcaster to step in there with me when it comes to June 10th. But I just feel like I'm levels better. I'm levels better and, and, and I'm the more complete fighter. I have more ways to win. I think I'm just going to outclass him everywhere. And, you know, obviously he's got uh, some good grappling pedigree and credentials and stuff like that. But the same as jiu-jitsu match, if we were grappling and having like a no time, no, no time limit sub only match, you know, I'm probably going to have some struggles, you know, against the guy. He's probably going to have some some stuff go his way. But this MMA fight and my MMA grappling's better. I'm a better wrestler. I'm a better striker. I feel like I'm set up to go out there and, and put on the performance of a lifetime and completely shut this dude down. I love that the idea of your ideal ending to your night with the fights is a completely silent crowd. Like that would be such a weird thing to be striving for is like, I want the crowd to just be quiet at the end of the fight. That's a wall. All I want them to be is just cause like when you, when you see fighters lose in Brazil in their, in their home, in their home country, the crowd's just dead. It's just immediately the all the air's been sucked out of it. And obviously, like Rod Costa in Perth helps the ticket sales for sure. Uh, helps give him that kind of that that um, that engagement from the crowd. But ideally, he'd be be just quiet. Yeah, it's gonna race. it's gonna be one of those things where yeah, it's just gonna be. I mean, I've been in that position so many times. I mean, I've been in, and even though I feel like I'm gonna be a heavy favorite going into the fight, I feel like I'm you know, from that side of things, it'll be like an underdog sort of thing like it usually is. And I sort of embrace that, man. I love it. I love going into places like that where it's someone else's sort of hometown and then just shutting shit down. Like, you know, same thing when I came to Melbourne and I fought Michael Barber, there was, when I was walking out, you know, there was lots of booze and the crowd was sort of like doing their thing. But after, I, you know, the decision was announced, everyone was pretty quiet. They didn't have, you know, all that, that energy sort of dissipated. And, you know, that's a pretty cool feeling to go out there and sort of prove people wrong. But, I'd be, for me, the, the the biggest sort of thing for this fight is I just want to showcase my abilities and skills and when, you know, after the fact have people go, holy shit, like how's that first fight even possible? Like what did we just, like how? Like what did we just witness? Now that Michael Barb fought, was that the one we were at, Deal? Uh, I think so. Hell of a promo we cut for Eternal that night, uh, JVH. That was a, yeah, it was a fun one. Welcome, Cam. <laughs> well, boys, we're excited for it. 10th of June, Perth versus Rod Costa. JVH can be good, mate. We haven't done this with you before. I know you've been on a show a couple of times before. Never done some quick fire questions with you. Are you okay for us to just smash out 10 questions? I'm down. Let's do it. Ooh, all right. I've got, to find me, I've got to find me intense music. Here we go. Oh, yes. Fuck, I'm nervous. <laughs> Wasn't sure if I still had it on it. All right, JBH. It's got to do with your gym, but there's a couple of questions towards you too. So, hey. Go on, man. Favorite training partner? Ooh. I'll be honest. I'm going to say, look, it's, it's it's a hard choice, but I'm going to go with Colby Thickness. Me and Colby, it's, it's a, I love it. We have this thing that we try and do with each other where, you know, when we're sparring, when we're grappling, when we're just getting after it. My goal when I'm doing anything with him is to 
frustrate him enough where I can get a reaction out of him where if he throws a glove after a round or, 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 or you know, punches a wall or just goes, fuck's sake, you know, I love that. I, I literally, honestly, it gets my dick hard. I love that shit. <laughs> love and that. I know it's the same for him. Love so that. I, I, I think, yeah, I have to go with Colby. Our favourite session during the week? Ooh. Um, depends when I'm in camp or when I'm not in camp, but I'd say probably our spider sessions that we do in camp. Oh. Yeah, that's huge. Uh, most dreaded session? Lactic on a Thursday morning, which, you know, tomorrow morning. Uh, oh. It is the worst session imaginable. <laughs> it is disgusting, but it is it is a good one to have. You know, when you're in there in between rounds in a fight, you you know, you're thankful that you that you do that session, but it's disgusting. I hate it. Uh, amazing for the boys to get you on a podcast <laughs> at 10 o'clock at night then. <laughs> worst, worst, worst pad holder. I've missed a question, but I'll come back. Worst pad holder. Some Worst people don't like to holder at freestyle question. MMA would have to be probably me. I feel like yeah, probably me. I'm, yeah, it'd probably be me. I'm, I'm smart. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd say <laughs> me. so honest. I love it. <laughs> biggest, biggest pest at the gym. Can probably also, me. Can yeah, also yeah, be yeah, yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Not, yeah no, just, I, feel, I feel it's like these were you know, specifically targeted. Um, <laughs> yeah, probably me. I think I caused. I think I've, I, I caused a few headaches for, for, especially for Joe. I feel like I've caused a few headaches for Joe, but at the same time, you know, it's it's pretty good. I like it. Uh, who do you avoid sparring with at the gym? Ooh, um, I definitely don't avoid sparring anyone. But what I will say is, I definitely avoid being Volk's second round of the day in sparring, Ooh. especially when he's in camp. See, the first round. You know, he might he might be you know getting his reads and doing his Swarming little thing up. and and that. But by that second you know by that second round, this dude's on, and then you just get bashed. And uh, <laughs> yeah. that's yeah, that's that's disgusting. Uh, someone's skill in the gym you wish you had, and it doesn't have to be a fighting skill. Um, someone could have a nice set of pipes on them. Um, I'd have to say Amina's willingness willingness to just want to fight all the time. Like she fought something like nine times last year, nine or ten times in one year or something. So, yeah, just that that just unrelenting desire to violently yeah. beat the shit out of people. Yeah, that's definitely a skill. Uh, a couple on you: a podcast you're listening to or a book you're reading. Um, at the moment, I've been listening to a bit of the a bit more of the. Um, sort of history style podcast yeah. you know like hardcore history stuff like that oh, yep. it's been, been pretty heads. interesting um, yeah, not gonna lie and a book that I'm reading at the moment I'm just rereading the art of war not even for like a generic shitty thing that people do just to be like oh I've read that book I'm just trying to find <laughs> I'm trying to find the little nuggets in there that aren't relating to fighting I'm trying to look for the things in there that I could apply to other areas of my life also to like just being I guess a better dad and better example for my daughter and I feel like there's things that cross over and apply so yeah so I've uh, had a bit of time off work lately and I've realised <clears throat> while well, my wife pointed it out we were sorting some books out and all my books have at least 20 to 30 pages left to go and I've just <laughs> haven't picked them back up <laughs> so I've got all these books with a bookmark at the last 20 to 30 pages that's uh, horrible uh, a podcast you're listening to oh sorry a TV or movie you're watching or music you're listening to one or the other 
Uh, well, my music taste ranges from everything from classical to hardcore, sort of anything. So, like, you know, music's, I don't know. Yeah, I just mix it up. But something, like a movie I'm watching at the moment. Actually, I'm watching all of the first, Marvel, like, sort of Marvel movies. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, so I'm, I'm re-watching all the first ones. And I think, yeah, the last one I watched was Captain America. I think I did that last night. So, yeah, I'm yeah. just watching, re-watching those first yeah, ones, nice. those, those gems. All right, back to the gym. Next champion in your gym. Ooh. Talking freestyle here. Gotta be some Next, does it have to, like, just in general, or like you were talking like UFC or like World Title? Nah, it could be anything. Yep. Someone's going to hold a belt next. Colby Thickness. Yeah. yeah. Without a doubt. That dude's, yeah, that dude's a fucking animal, man. He's going to he's gonna give these band and weights lots of problems. Love it. JVH, that is quick fire questions. Thank you very much. Might have to work out what quick fire means because that was a long quick fire. Mate, so, some good responses. I like, I like the Art of War one. That was good. Yeah, Not for the, the generic reasons that other. Look, other I just need to have the high ground when dealing with my daughter and I'll be fine. <laughs> love the family kickback. That was awesome. <laughs> when she starts to retreat, that's when you've won. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think she's got me sussed out now, though. <laughs> All right, boys, let's move on to a segment that was new on last episode from The Vault. And, boy, happy to know that we're putting the uh, intro music in the right areas. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's go. This From The Vault is from Stony this week. Oh, that's so good. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> I love the self-tat on the back there. Oh, man, that's good. I've nailed that. <laughs> the thing that I did is amazing. We waited three weeks for that. <laughs> Boys, uh, Statman, you took us back to what year What year last time? It was uh, 2014. 2014. I'm going to up the ante. We're going back to 2009, DL. The last great series of The Ultimate Fighter is my... What I'm proclaiming here, boys. Yeah. All right. So Ultimate Fighter Series 1, Statman, absolute banger. Ultimate yep. Fighter Series 5, which Nate Diaz won. Oh. So that was BJ and uh, Paul, but that was your favorite one, if I yeah. if I recall correctly. Look, my favorite one, boys, Tough Season 10. I think this was the last great uh, series of the Ultimate Fighter. And we're very complimentary of Chael. I think Chael ruined the Ultimate Fighter because he made it all about the fighter CL, colossal mistake, colossal mistake. He said, he said it's not about the not about Coach Sonnen versus Coach Jones. It's about the fighters, and and there just wasn't the animosity, there wasn't the entertainment value, and so we've got Connor and Chandler coming up. Obviously, yep. they've already filmed it, so you know, let's hope they've they've made it a fairly entertaining series. Don't get me wrong, there's been some good ones. Rousey Tate had a bit of heat. Yeah, that was good. Uh, Dillashaw and Garbrandt that had its moments. Mm-hmm. The Volk, we love that just for the fact it was the Volk. So there's certainly been some good ones mm-hmm. since 2009, but. Uh, tough season 10, the heavyweights, the last great one DL. So I've got some audio clips. We're just going to start it off with audio clip number one. This is the first 50 seconds mm. of the season. You don't believe that. that. Beat, you don't believe that, do you? I know it. I'm going to beat the brakes off. Let me tell you why you ain't going to happen. You too slow. You think so? You too slow. I'm glad you think that. How many fights you lose? I lost, uh, I lost, uh, I lost, I lost uh, a bunch. A bunch. I lost a bunch. I lost one. You ain't fought nobody. I lost one. You got a big-ass mouth. And okay. it'll cost you. 
It don't scare me that you say, oh, man, Rashad, don't talk to me. Don't say nothing to me. I was just wondering, though, right before Machida knocked you out, what was you saying, though? Why was you talking, though? For real. Keep uh, it no, 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 uh, real talk. He's hit me, and, he's, and it felt like it was just like pillows, and I was like. You would breathe like, like a fish out of water. <laughs> 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 I was like, damn. You quit that fight. We got five minutes. Don't get in a fight. All right, we got five minutes. Relax, you two. All right? Don't get in a fight. From the first time these two walked into the room together, it starts, you know, look at how you got knocked out. I'm going to beat your ass. You couldn't possibly beat me. This is going to be a long season with these two. You can the, the- hear Dana's smile in that <laughs> clip. I love it. <laughs> it's so good. From the minute they sit down, straight out of deal. And this is where you've got all the fighters walking in and they're sort of nervous and sheepishly just sort of standing around not knowing what to do. And you've got the two Don't even give a fuck about the fighters. <laughs> They're just getting the mental warfare started. So they're just getting in each other's heads, continuously mocking each other for how they've been knocked out in the past and, and how they're going to beat each other. And at times they're laughing and smiling together throughout the series, but not long after every comment it turns hostile. There's some great moments. So there's many memorable moments here, DL, in the season, as such as Rampage nicknaming a fighter Titties because he come into the show out of shape, which almost turns into a fight. Uh, with Rampage sort of calling him out and him stepping up to Rampage and Rashad having to jump in and save face for, for Titi. So take it away. You know I'm going to win it though, right? You ain't going to win nothing, Titties. Titties. It's not, it's not a win. You're going to win a wet T-shirt contest. <laughs> I'll cut weight and I'll kick your ass to 252. Who, me? Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> and then finally, DL, we've got Rampage Jackson, one of the most infamous moments in the season, uh, bashing down one of the tough doors. <laughs> you know what sucks about that? It shows everybody how cheap our <laughs> doors are. <laughs> It looks like egg crates. Listen, <laughs> the last thing you want to be here on the set of The Ultimate Fighter is a door, okay? There's no future being a door here. <laughs> who's, writing, who's writing Dana's line? Is he ad-libbing? I <laughs> love his comments there. has got a comedy writer following him around. Because <laughs> that was so shit. funny because the door was flimsy <laughs> yeah. as fuck. I think Rampage actually just meant to slam it open and he's yeah. put his yeah. fist through it, so he's just like, fuck it, I'm going to go the whole way. So I had some huge names on this one, DL. Great names. Roy Nelson, Brendan Schwab, Kimbo Slice made an appearance, obviously very famous from, from his backyard street fights. Wes Sims, Matt Mitrione, just an all-round great season. And what made it even greater, Roy Nelson easily like beating everyone despite getting clowned through the entire series because Dana thought he didn't look like a fighter. And basically Big Roy just laid on people in the crucifix position and just beat his way to the, the tough champion. So, boys, I'm putting that down as based on every element from the personalities in the cast to the coaches to the the intensity that was the last great tough series boys what i want to do is throw it over to you if we could have any two current ufc fighters go head to head in a in a in a fantasy tough who would it be statman we kind of touched on it just before but john jones is he out of sanya just because of the, uh, the the coaching like city kickboxing versus jones uh, and he's greg jackson affiliated gym would be absolutely amazing I'm disappointed you added current because I was going to say if John Jones does follow through and retire um, after his after his fight this way uh, this year, I'd love to see a season next season with John Jones and DC coaching Ooh, yeah. rival teams because yep. I feel like that would the retired fighters 
uh, with their teams. I think that that would be amazing. And I reckon it would probably bring both of them out of retirement so they could beat the <laughs> shit out of each other again. All right, Justin, who we got? Um, shit. I would absolutely think that it'd be quite entertaining to see Sugar Sean and Cejudo coach a season. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I could get around yeah. that. That'd be great. A bit of trash chalk there. I reckon it would just be the funniest and the cringiest <laughs> series that we've ever seen. Henry's cringy, but Henry's also funny to hell. I know it's taken you a as. long time to or come around to that. Islam with the right sort of counterpart. I don't know who that would be, but because he's so unintentionally funny. Yeah. So that could that could be another one. But Sugar Sean, I feel like with Suhudo would just be entertainment. DL, what do we got? See, I was kind of – I took it the wrong way. Okay. I was going for something <laughs> like recent. This is a role reversal. Normally we're the ones taking your ideas. Yeah. Okay. So I – I was something that could actually happen. I went Shevchenko and um, what's her name? What's her name? That must be a fucking good series. We don't even know. Grasso. It's a Grasso. Yeah, Grasso. Shevchenko and Grasso. Yeah, but I don't know. Some good some good matchups there, boys. I don't want to declare a winner and a loser. This is like a snags moment. Now I know how you felt for seven years. <laughs> and boys, that's from the vault, the last great tough series, boys. <laughs> so good. It's so good. <laughs> I absolutely love it. I absolutely love it. I'm going to put together a slew of <laughs> intros, <laughs> change them every week. Uh, boys, we're coming close to the end of the show and uh, it's been good. And there's been a little bit of an absence lately of a certain uh, part of the show that um, I feel needs to come back. Uh, Stoney's. Yes, they are very, very, uh, very tough one to pick this week. Quite a few tools emerging. Yep. Uh, Honourable mention, I won't go into detail, but... <laughs> All but, our social media at the moment. <laughs> yeah, Deacon from TikTok, you can take a good fucking hard look at yourself, brother. <laughs> Deacon. <laughs> Deacon. But I'm just going to say Samur- Samurai Monopoly was a very close uh, second. Uh, yeah. So that, that's an event that went down in Brussels this week, DL. Uh, didn't quite make the cut, so we, we've rolled with... Uh, with your home state over in, oh. in the US, Arizona, so Phoenix. So Dairy Queen's Big Red Spoon went missing, <laughs> DL, last week. Really? Did you hear this one nah, on the news? I haven't heard this one. They don't cover this shit on mainstream, <laughs> let me tell you. So a 15-foot-tall red spoon decorating the side of the Phoenix Dairy Queen restaurant was stolen last week. Mm. And understandably, the owners want it back, yeah? Yeah. Uh, so they, it's a big spoon, why wouldn't you? It's a big spoon. Uh, they, they looked at security camera footage and two people were seen unscrewing the spoon from its base and took it and zipped off. Uh, on. It says a motor. I find that hard to believe. Yeah, a 15. Some, that, that's, <laughs> that's some fake news, stat man, if ever I've heard it. So Rahman and Pooja, the, the married couple that owns the Dairy Queen, don't want to culturally misappropriate those names. <laughs> I'm sure you did great. I'm sure you did really, really well. But they said, what are they going to do with a spoon? What wouldn't you do with a 15-foot spoon? 
at this point, I'm thinking it might be snags. Um, <laughs> just just couldn't get enough of those dick chips with a handful that he needed a big spoonful full of it. Uh, so they were so precise at how they, they did it, but the owners put out a, a reward deal to encourage its return. First, they made all their staff wear T-shirts that said, where is my spoon? <laughs> what kind of fucking... <laughs> I fucking love these people so much. Imagine working for this franchise and they, they say you've got to wear this T-shirt. Where's, where's my spoon, boys? Embezzled on the red shirt of Dairy Queen. And, oh, amazing. And, and furthermore, they offered a, a reward, boys, and they said no questions asked. Firstly, I find that a lie. If someone took a 15-foot spoon from my house deal... <laughs> And then I said, bring it back, and they brought, oh, I would have a lot of questions to ask. But they say, no questions Why? asked. <laughs> <laughs> they say, no questions asked. If they bring the spoon back, they get one, fl- they get every flavor from the blizzards <laughs> on the summer menu. So we're talking about six <laughs> smoothies deal. So if some cunts have gone to the effort to take a 15 foot red spoon from your premises. Do you think they're going to return it for six <laughs> smoothies from the local dairy? Probably not, DL. Probably not. So that's uh, that's where we're at. That, that's week one. <laughs> Boys, that's week one. This one goes on to week two. So April 5, a nightmare or rather brain freeze for, da- for a pair of Dairy Queen <laughs> franchise owners involving a giant red spoon has finally come to an end. Oh. I hate Boys. this journalist, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Phoenix, so Arizona resident. To a Dragon Ball Z created article. <laughs> F- fucking funny you should mention that. Phoenix, Arizona resident Michael Foster. Very relevant here, boys. I'll circumvent back to it. Age 52, DL. Oh, brilliant. Posted on Facebook that he discovered the spoon when he was out for a walk. An avid... Listen, boys. An avid Pokemon Go player. Foster. 50 fucking 2, DL, and he's still playing Pokemon Go. Was out hunting for his next great catch when he made the rare discovery of a different kind. A 15-foot... Long red spoon that happened to be missing from the local Dairy Queen. Oh, As you do, the first thing he did was rang his wife and she said you should report it to the police, uh, which he did. And no wonder crime skyrocketing in the US, boys. We've got uh, the police out solving 15-foot spoon. Uh, so the owners were, were pretty happy. They got their 15-foot red spoon. It was just abandoned in, in a local high school football field. Seems a bit of a waste when you could have got six yeah. free smoothies, DL. <laughs> yeah. um, so I'm unsure really who to attribute the tool. Is it is it the culprits who took the 15-foot spoon or is it Michael fucking Foster, age 52? And there's a photo. We're going to put this up of him standing in front of his discovery. He was looking for Pikachu and he found a 15-foot red fucking spoon. Uh, so I think Michael Foster is this week's... That's a hell of a story, boys. That's amazing. That That's intense. brilliant, honestly. That was yep. intense. And he yeah. said, honestly, we're I'd just glad they got the spoon back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Where is my spoon? Imagine wearing that T-shirt. <laughs> that, that's my favourite anecdote from that story is the shirt, is the T-shirt. That got me so good. I, I love it so much. Makes me happy. Oh, boys, that wraps up episode 79 of the podcast. If you like what we're doing, please like, share, comment, and subscribe to the podcast. That is us for episode 79, boys. I'm producer DL. I'm the Statman. 
my name is Stoney. And we've got uh, our good man, Justin, on here as well. And we'll run it back with you all on the next Run It Back podcast. Boom. June 10, bitches. June 10. <laughs> June 10, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to end the podcast. <laughs>